Say hi. Hi. And say hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. And wait, wait, go back and say, I'm Theo. I'm Theo. And say, this is Nick Flick's podcast. Nick Flick's podcast. Good job. Good job. Nick Flick's What's in the Queue. All right, welcome to another episode of Nick Flick's podcast. I am your host, Nick, and today is... Uh, I have a guest who he's a very cool dude. We uh, we met through film Twitter and have chatted back and forth about doing an episode together. And uh, I'm excited to have him on for this one. Uh, everyone, welcome Logan. Logan, how's it going, man? Hey, I'm doing good, man. It's a true honor to be on your platform, man. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, dude. The honor's all mine. And, uh, you know, you uh you have a YouTube channel uh, with your brother, which I'll let you kind of get into uh, in this episode. But uh, you know, this summer we had a, a very big movie come out uh, across the Spider Verse Part One, and and I saw you and your brother did a rankings of Spider Man episodes. So I thought this would be good for for you to come on and and for us to break down. Th- this episode's all about Spider Man, but what we're gonna do is kind of break it down between the four films of the four different Spider-Man trilogies. Now you picked the first one, which we'll get into in a minute. uh, But just to kind of set up this episode and I want to start with, I want to know why, you know, why, why Spider-Man is an important uh, character for you. Spider-Man is an important character for me, mainly going back to early childhood when I was like three or four years old my earliest memory of Spider-Man, I remember when my dad had brought me a Spider-Man costume for Halloween, and it was the same type of design and the same type of look that Tobey Maguire had um, in his Spider-Man trilogy. And I remember wearing that costume basically every day, not just for Halloween, but like Christmas Day, Thanksgiving Day, St. Patrick's Day. Um, on the well, on the way to school in the morning, and my grandmother or my dad happened to tell me to take off the costume. You know, there were times where I wanted to go to school in the costume, and you know, I always been a huge fan of the Tobey Maguire Spider Man. Uh, Spider Man has been a very important character to my life. Um, you know, I used to think I was Spider Man growing up, and so that is why I love Spider Man so much to this day. Nice, man. Yeah, he's uh, I feel like Spider-Man, it's like I feel like most most when they're kids uh, either gravitate to either both or one or the other. Uh, Some do it to both. But I always feel like Spider-Man and Batman are the two superheroes that like that's like when you're a kid, you associate with one of them and they both kind of have tragic backstories uh, told in different ways. And uh, but it is funny because like Spider-Man, I mean, I, I you you don't know anyone, you know, basically from the age of like three to like in their twenties who doesn't like Spider-Man, you know, like most of us, exactly. even pe- yeah, even people older than, uh, than us. Now I'm older than you, but even people older than me, like group on Spider-Man comics or the cartoon or whatever, like Spider-Man's probably the most universally loved superhero. I think he's the most profitable superhero actually. Um, oh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. <laughs> He is the highest grossing superhero of all time, including comic book sales, movie sales, merchandise. The whole catalog of Spider-Man, I think, is uh, worth more than any 
superhero, whether it's Batman, Superman, Iron Man, Hulk, whoever. Yeah, you know what? I think you are right. And while we're talking about that, because now I'm like, huh, I'm curious. Because I do know, like, Spider-Man, I mean, box office, for sure box. It, it's box office. Uh, uh, it's like box office Teflon. Nothing, like, it'll always make a lot of money. Um, I think... Uh, if you hear me typing, it's because I'm like, you know what? This is a good question. I didn't even think about. I was, I know, only one of them have grossed over a billion, but like this, they're always steady. And like, yeah, he and like you said, the comics, he's been around a long time. Uh, in in, I would say this too from like having four different, uh, I guess you know, franchises in terms of like different Spider Men in the different worlds. It it's got one of the best hit rates, I think, because I've, I've enjoyed the majority of the Spider-Man movies and think that even the ones that I'm not big on are still watchable. And ultimately if your movie's watchable, that's the first step is you have to have a watchable movie. Um, so let's, let's get into it. So you were talking about Tobey Maguire. So I, I asked you to pick, uh, you know, a, a one movie from, from any of the the four trilogies we so you started with the very first spider-man so what's it about that one that made you kind of want to start with that movie well i believe that the first spider-man which came out in 2002 of course directed by sam raimi i believe that that is arguably the most impactful superhero movie at least in marvel you know blade basically had kick-started Marvel back in, I believe it was 1998, and Blade was a success. I believe Marvel was on the brink of going bankrupt, and Blade had sort of saved Marvel because of his box office success and how popular the character became. Then, of course, it was followed by the first X-Men movie, but Spider-Man took it to a whole nother level. Like, not only was Marvel more recognized worldwide for their films but you know it just became such a cultural iconic film and that is why i wanted to talk about that one first and it's um i would say that between the first spider-man and the second spider-man those are my two favorites yeah oh no for sure man i think the the having rewatched um the first toby Maguire one i think people take for granted how good that movie is and how stylistic it is um because i mean and it's it's over 20 years old but it still holds up pretty well even like a lot of the cgi still looks good and and some of it looks you know like early 2000s where it's like okay you gotta gotta always remember the time period of when it is but like it's it moves good. I think the cast is really great. Um, you know, you get you get enough of. I think McGuire is a pretty be- pretty believable high schooler for the most part. I mean, it's Hollywood, so like you always got to remember like that that high schoolers are twenty year old people. <laughs> um, but he he does a great job in it, man. He Toby McGuire, he's so good as as Spider Man. Um, there's Peter Parker and, you know, he, he's got a lot of funny jokes. There's, there's, there's a good mix of humor. It definitely, 
had had a good mix of seriousness and humor where you felt the serious moments, but but the humor wasn't like out of place. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, kind of like what you had said about it being the early 2000s and the CGI not being up to date. Well, I do agree with that. But at the same time, I also believe that that's one reason why the movie has held up so well, because even though that a small amount of that CGI was kind of outdated, it still looks pretty good today. I think that if Spider-Man 1 or even Spider-Man 2 premiered in theaters today, that it would still be a major hit and would arguably make even more money. Um, when you consider how iconic the character is, the storyline, the performances, um, it has definitely held up well over these years. I'm quoting the movie all the time. I love to go back and rewatch the movie. It, you know, it's just so many great memories for me, man. Oh yeah, no, hands down. I mean, it 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 looks great. It's it was one of the the like bigger budgets too for a superhero movie, and it made back almost like its entire budget in its opening weekend, which is which is pretty unheard of at that time, especially like. Uh, but but again, I mean, it, you know, I was just looking up uh, some of like the the box office like receipts for these movies and like the first Spider-Man movie made almost a billion dollars worldwide in its run, which, which again, you, you figure you're adjusting, you adjust to like what ticket prices were in 2002 compared to now, like it easily, it would have crossed a billion probably within like two, three weeks, like worldwide, like Spider-Man is, is just such a big recognizable character. Um, But yeah, the, the first one, I think, I think it had a great villain too. I think Willem Dafoe was like the perfect. It's it's an all time great casting. Uh, you know, you have like Heath Ledger as the Joker is I still think the best ever villain casting. But like Willem Dafoe is in that next group of like there's a Mount Rushmore of great vi- like you know uh, superhero villains. Even not not the Green Goblin so much as necessarily his skill set, but like Willem Dafoe's portrayal is top notch. He's so good in that movie. Yeah, man, and I'm glad you said that Willem Dafoe. I think you can make a very strong argument for being a top five, maybe even top three villain of all time. Not just for superhero films, but just film history in general. He brings a very classical and very intimidating factor to the character of green goblin and harry i mean not harry osborne but norman osborne mm-hmm. and of course with his performance you even see like he makes you sympathize for him at times when you consider how he was treated from the higher ups or the you know, the other people on the board at Oscorp Industries. And that's what really led him to being such an evil villain. Um, shout out to Willem Dafoe, by the way. That 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 couldn't have been a, a better casting. Well, and and it what was cool is he got to mix it up with with Tom Holland in the in the you know, when they when and, and this movie were not is not one of the ones we picked because it would seem unfair to Tom Holland's trilogy, but um, you know, Spider-Man uh, no way home. Like the, the fact that we ever got a for, for superhero 
fans, we should all feel lucky that we lived through a time where we got to see three different Spider-Man in the same movie and villains across all those movies get to mix it up. And like, like to see him come back as Norman Osborn and to almost have like that, oh, maybe he'll be a good guy. And then, nope, it's like, nope, he's he's evil now. Like it, it's he's too far gone down the, the Green Goblin rabbit hole. Like that was such a cool, surreal moment to be like, wow, this is like you would you never thought you were going to get it. You know, you never got it with like Batman and all the different Batmans because I'm trying to think of characters who you could do that with. And there's really only two franchises again, Batman and Spider-Man where you've had multiple actors play one character. Uh, so it was just so cool to see Holland McGuire and Garfield together. And their chemistry was great. Having never have done anything together and, and really like, you know, it could have, it could have been a colossal failure trying to do, three Spider-Man in one movie and make it make sense and make it work. And it works so well. Um, but that's, that's make uh, for an episode down the road. <laughs> um, uh, so kind of like any, any final thoughts on the original Spider-Man before we get to the next one. You know, I've, I've said this over and over to a lot of people and I've had a lot of debates, um, you know, not downplaying Tom Holland's trilogy or Andrew Garfield's two films, you know, shout out to those guys. But for me, Tobey Maguire will always be the best Spider-Man. He will always be the best Peter Parker. He'll always have the best trilogy. And, you know, to this day, I am very disappointed that we did not get a Spider-Man four, um, which was the, that was the last question that I wanted to ask you before moving on uh, to the next set mm. of films was, have you heard sure. rumors about a Spider-Man four for Tobey Maguire? Cause I've heard people, you know, throw out the idea of, Oh, if they do a Spider-Man four for Tobey Maguire, we should get um, like a, a Logan type of movie. Like what we had got for the finale of Hugh Jack, Hugh Jackman's uh, Wolverine. Yeah. You know what? I could see them doing that. I think obviously with the writer strike going on every big potential decisions going to get pushed back right now. But I mean, I mean like Tobey Maguire, I don't think ever wanted to come back and do Spider-Man and then doing no way uh, home. Uh, I mean, from all reports is like, he would be down to do a, like you said, like a Logan, maybe, maybe not as gritty, obviously. Cause I think Spider-Man, while you could get gritty with it, you, you, I don't know if you could do like a rated R Spider-Man, you know, but like, I, like the concept of like a farewell movie to this, this legend, um, I think people would love to see. And I, and I don't feel, I feel like Maguire's not going to come back and do one just to do a bad one. You know what I mean? Like I, I, it took a lot to get him to do no way home. And it seemed like it kind of reinvigorated him to do the character again. But I think that could be one where maybe in the next, I would give it like, if it doesn't happen in the next five years then it's not going to happen, but I think it, it definitely could. I would, I, I, would put, I would put my money on that. It will. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm hoping that it happens. I mean, it, we need the proper closure to that Spider-Man. We really do. Yeah. Cause you kind of got like a Spider-Man three and a half with, uh, how how he's tied up, how he's tied into like No Way Home is like more is like the mentor to them, but also still 
kicking ass as Spider-Man, but like making the jokes, you know, like cracking his back because he's like, OK, look, I'm a lot older than you guys. Uh, so, yeah, they, they don't really tie a bow on him or Andrew Garfield. And I would love both of them to get a, another Spider-Man movie. Um, so it'll be curious. I've, I've definitely, you know, I mean, the one thing about Spider-Man is uh, in, in the, these first two franchises definitely hit on it right away is that because this movie ends with a somber note where he turns down Mary Jane because he's like, I don't want to get you hurt. And it's the ultimate sacrifice. Again, it's very similar to Batman. Like you kind of have to follow a code of like you, you, you basically can't have really much of a personal life because you don't want to put anyone else in harm. And, you know, going from Spider-Man, the first one, and then you pick the amazing Spider-Man for the, our next franchise film and this one, again, much like the, the first Spider-Man ends with the it, it's sad, you know, I mean, it's it, it ends with Spider-Man having to turn down the girl that he loves. And, exactly. um, you know, I'll say this as someone who wasn't looking wasn't looking forward to the Amazing Spider-Man series back when it first came out. Andrew Garfield does a, a great job. And I like that they changed how Peter Parker is as a character. He wasn't it wasn't like you were doing a carbon copy of Tobey Maguire. He's still kind of an outcast, but it's like he did it a different way that I think really worked. Yeah, I don't think he was as nerdy um, as Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man was. He, in a way, had more of an edge to him. He was just, like you said, like really an outcast um, type of guy, but he wasn't he wasn't as nerdy as Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, I think it was more of the um, more of the more of like kind of almost like a socially awkward at times, like, again, very believable type teenager. I also think the movie like, you know, having Martin Sheen and Sally Fields as Uncle Ben and Aunt May were great casting. I thought their relationship's great in the movie, how he how Uncle Ben dies in the movie, you you know, it's and then the the only thing about the Amazing Spider-Man, I wasn't huge on the villain, but it didn't make me like not like the movie. I just was like, OK, the like the lizard, like he's OK. I I liked everything, though, with like Garfield and Emma Stone a lot. I thought those two had great chemistry. And I think I was more sold on the Peter Parker, you know, uh, um, Gwen storyline stuff and like his dad, her dad finding out who Spider-Man is. And like, I, I thought that stuff was more, was more interesting than the villain, uh, you know? So definitely I, 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 but also like you, you couldn't do Green Goblin, who I think is the best villain in the Spider-Man movie. So it's like, he, I, I applaud Absolutely. them for trying to go a different route. Yeah, man. Um, You know, and another thing that I had enjoyed about, the amazing spider-man part one they gave us more of a background to peter's story like of course in the original spider-man you know we see him instantly as a teenager living with his aunt may and his uncle ben with the amazing mm -hmm. spider-man part one while we see that as well we also see flashbacks of peter as a child when his father had left him, his father and his mother, um, if I'm not mistaken, but yes, yeah, I like how we were able to see that. Beginning. 
Mm-hmm. I, I like how they were able to explore that because that's something that I always want to know. Like, what happened to his parents? Why did they just leave him? Why was he always raised by his aunt and uncle? Was he, you know, an orphan? Was he adopted? Because I never really got into the comic books as a kid. I was always learning my superhero information through comic book films. So I'm glad that they had put that in there. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, for anyone listening to this episode who does know, like who reads the comics, you know, I'd like to know, like, do they ever mention his parents? Because I feel like that's the big difference between Batman and Spider-Man, obviously, outside of their powers of sorts, is that like you you don't really they, they never get into what happens with Peter's parents. It's always about the uncle Ben part dying, you know, that's the bigger catalyst, not his parents dying like in Batman. So I'd be curious. I'm like, I wonder if they cover that because really this is the only movie outside of, well, because when we get into, into the, into the spider verse that, that one's a little different because it's not about his dad dying. Cause it's not Peter Parker, you know? So we'll, we'll get into that. But like Tom Holland's one, they never say what happened to, they kind of never say what happened to uncle Ben. They never say what happened to his parents. So, uh, and then this is really the only one that kind of shows, like you said, any flashback of a younger Peter with his parents still alive. So yeah, that is that. I wonder if they'll ever address that in a Spider-Man movie. Cause I definitely think, or like I said, in the comics, anyone who's listening, if you know what happens in the comics, let, let us know. But, um, kind of any other final thoughts on the amazing Spider-Man before we get into our next one. Yeah, I definitely feel that the Amazing Spider-Man had the best web slinging or the best web swinging. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Um, you know, and kind of like when you brought up No Way Home, when all three Peters were having a conversation about their web, their web shooters, of course, you know, Toby was the only one that had like the most natural web shooters. Um Tom Holland, of course, had to make his, so did Andrew, but I feel that Andrew had the best web swinging scenes, especially at the end of, I believe it was the Amazing Spider-Man 2, when he was, um, when it was snowing throughout New York, and he was swinging, and, you know, following the cops and whatnot, that was a beautiful scene, that is a scene that I feel should be talked about more when you're talking about uh, web swinging for Spider-Man. Um, you know, Gwen Stacy's death was a very tragic moment, one of the most memorable moments of the franchise. And not that Spider-Man, not the Amazing Spider-Man Two, was a bad film, but that is like what I remember the most is Gwen Stacy's death being so heartbreaking, even though you knew it was coming. You know, based off of what happened in the comics. Um, but I do think that Andrew Garfield deserves more recognition for his performance as Spider-Man. Um, I would also like to see a proper closure for his trilogy as well. Because a Spider-Man 3 for mm-hmm. him wouldn't be so bad. But I think because of how a lot of people had mixed feelings and the not-so-good reviews of The Amazing Spider-Man Part 2, I think that is the reason why Sony didn't want to move forward with the Part 3 for Andrew Garfield. But overall, I... But I'll say this. I think since since No Way Out, or No Way Home, I think think a lot of people want to see him get a third movie, which is good, because... 
like you said, I think I think what happens with like Spider-Man three and then Sp- the Amazing Spider-Man part two is when the studios want too many villains, it starts to get too big. Um, and, and I think that part of the challenge of making a good superhero movie, especially with a character like Spider-Man, who is a New York centralized hero is you don't want too many villains. Like, like I think you like that's again with the first Spider-Man and I think with the amazing Spider-Man both do really well is there's one villain. It's one guy they're trying to beat. Now, obviously part of the movies are them trying to keep their identity, but like that's something they both do really well is they're like, we'll stick with one villain. And now getting to our next one, which I picked was Spider-Man homecoming. Cause I just didn't feel like it would be fair to pick, you know, like I said, no way home. Cause that's really like a, a almost like a separate movie altogether. Cause it includes all three Spider-Man. But what I liked about, you know, for me, why I picked homecoming is I think it's, you know, Tom Holland does a great job of portraying a younger Peter Parker, like a 16 year old impatient Peter Parker. And what I do like about it is I like the inclusion of Iron Man because the whole part of what makes this Spider-Man different is he's part of this Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's not off on his own. So I like that his mentor keeps bringing him down to be like, you're not ready and him wanting to prove that he is. And I think they had a great dynamic. I think part of why they do it too is him and Robert Downey Jr. have great chemistry. And then you also include a guy like Michael Keaton as your villain, as the vulture. So that movie just has a lot going for it that I think works well. And and I, I get, you know, like I, your brother and you talk, we're talking about like in the next Spider-Man movie after that, Far From Home, some people were like, oh, he's becoming too techy and too much like an Iron Man. And it's like, yeah, but you have to do something different with him. Like Spider-Man Homecoming is the first Spider-Man that doesn't end on a downer. It's like, you know, it's not about him. Not, well, I should rephrase that. The girl he originally has a crush on does move away. So that and her dad goes to jail. And like the scene where you find out Michael Keaton's the dad of his love interest is one of the all time like, oh, shit moments in a movie and being in a theater during that, you could hear a pin drop. Everyone just gasp when they, you know, when he opens the door. So kind of what are some of your thoughts on uh, on Homecoming? You know, Homecoming surprised me when I found out they were doing another Spider-Man film. I was kind of glad to see another Spider-Man film, but at the same time, you know, me being such a huge Tobey Maguire fan, I really had some mixed feelings going into it as well. But Homecoming definitely surprised me. It was a whole lot better than I thought it would be. Um, you know, seeing Michael Keaton go from playing the Batman in the 80s to playing the Vulture. And, you know, Tom Holland's performance, needless to say, was great in Homecoming. He is the first Spider-Man to give you more of a comic relief. Like his version of Spider-Man doesn't really have dark moments until you get to Far From Home and No Way Home. The first home the first Spider-Man movie of his, Homecoming, there weren't really too many moments that, you know, make you cry or feel emotional. Um, so that was something that I know a lot of 
Spider-Man fans probably appreciate it. For the first time, we get a Spider-Man movie where there's not a lot of crying and a lot of emotion, just a lot of laughter and, you know, an innocent kid, you know, like the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, like that movie really embodied the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man quote. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And and I think <clears throat> it was also cool to have a Spider-Man movie that's not it's an origin story, but it's not really an origin story like the the, the kind of the ballsy move by the by Marvel that really paid off was you introduced, you know, in Civil War, Spider-Man into your world and and Black Panther into your world, which are go on to be two huge you know, properties for them and two huge characters, but you did it without setting their, their origin story, which is a good example of like, you don't always need that. You know, like if you, if you have a good, it's all about the story. If it's good, you don't always need like a straight up origin story of a character. Cause you, you know, black Panther, while it goes into the, a little bit of the origins of black Panther, it doesn't really like it's, it gives you a little background, but like, it's not really an origin story. And that's how I feel like Spider-Man homecoming is. It's like you, you're meeting now Spider-Man in that movie after he's worked with the Avengers or, you know, iron, you know, iron man's team. And, you know, I just, I think it's got good humor. I, I think it, it picked a style and it really works. And, and ultimately it leads us to one of the all time coolest moments, which is seeing all three of these, actors as spider-man swinging to you know to that big fight in the in the third act of no way home and like just being in the theater seeing three different spider-man swinging around it's like oh my god this is crazy i can't believe they pulled this off yeah in you know the thing with no way home for me has always been this while it was a beautiful thing to see Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland all on the same screen at the same time interacting and, you know, going to war with each other. The only issue that I have with it, it kind of offsets or could potentially change events from the original trilogies because it's like, if you bring back Norman Osborn, if you bring back the Sandman, if you, well, really, if you bring back Norman Osborn and Doc Ock, it's like, in this universe, they're still alive or they're brought back to life. So it's like when you send them back to their world, to their universe, are they dead? Do they go back to, you know, where they left off like this? Does Green Goblin go back to the moment before the glider had pierced them and killed them? Does Doc Ock go back to the moment where he, you know, drowned himself in the river, essentially? Or do they find a way to actually survive? And if they do survive, that changes the whole trajectory of what happens in their franchises. And I think the same thing can be said when you bring back the villains um, from Andrew Garfield's franchise. Like it changes a lot of things. And I think that's the only issue that I had 
um, with No Way Home. But overall, it was a beautiful thing to see all the original Spider-Man. Well, yeah, all the Spider-Mans on the same screen and to see all the villains on the same screen interacting. For sure. sure, Yeah. yeah. And and I think I think they're not trying to retcon anything. So I think in the long run, it won't mess with their franchises. I think it was more of their way of just getting the best of the best in this movie. But, but yeah, for sure. We'll have to see because you, you never know what Sony, because Sony's an interesting studio. So you never know what they might try to do. Um, so then the last movie that we're going to talk about is uh, the most unique Spider-Man movie because it's, it's the first theatrical animated uh, Spider-Man and that's Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And, this movie like took took off in a huge way. And I think it's it's both in where kids could enjoy it, but really it's like an ageless movie. Like if you're a teenager, if you're an adult, maybe like little, little kids because it's so colorful and bright and like, you know, flashing lights during certain parts, like, okay, maybe they might not get it totally and understand the character, but like, you know, uh, I, I think it's just one of these, really rare awesome movies where you take the name spider-man you know and you take a character like miles morales who is not peter parker and he becomes his world's spider-man where there is a peter parker but peter parker actually dies it's like the crazy like oh my god what would happen if spider-man died you know and and he gets killed and it's like in his world now he's going to become the new spider-man but it's it's his origin story, but it's told in such a unique, cool way. It, it's a movie that I absolutely was like, it was so hyped up, but it, you know, it, it became a top five all time comic book movie, regardless of Marvel, DC or whatever. Yeah. You know, again, that was another thing for me um, with the Spider-Verse franchise it was one of the things once again that caught me off guard i didn't think that an animated spider-man film could be that successful i knew like younger kids like elementary school kids especially would enjoy it i didn't think that teenagers and adults like us would really be appealed to it but you know it had some of the greatest animation i've ever seen Shamit Moore's voice acting is amazing. Like he really makes you believe that he is a teenager. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just the storyline of Uncle Aaron and how they combined everything. And then, you know, even talking about the most recent film um, across the Spider-Verse, when we see them make reference, make references to the previous trilogies, you know, the scene where, um, they were in the lab or whatever, and they had each screen showing like uh, a scene from the original trilogy, like Peter holding Uncle Ben as he was dying in the Sam Raimi trilogy, you know, things like that. That's what I appreciated about um, about the Spider-Verse franchise. And I can definitely see the argument as to why people were already saying that it was not only the greatest Spider-Man film of all time, not only was it the greatest comic book film of all time, but there were people ready to say that it was the greatest 
animated film of all time. While I see the argument, um, I would have to disagree with all of those. I do not think it's the greatest Spider-Man film ever. Although you can make a strong argument, I don't think it's the greatest comic book film ever. I think that that goes to the Dark Knight still. And I don't think it's the greatest animated film ever. I think that goes to the Lion King, but that that's just me being biased. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what, though? It, it goes to show you, man, the movies you're picking are like top, 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 top movies. So it's like, hey, the, you're in that category. You must be doing something right. And I think... Absolutely. You know, and I but I think like you said, it's your opinion and that's good. And you know, I'm I'm with you. I don't think it's the you know, like the Dark Knight to me is still it, you know, there may never be a movie as good as that in the superhero genre. Um, but it's also like you know, I just think I think Spider-Man, you could for superhero genres, you could make the case that there's a couple of them that that could be up there in the top five of like all time superhero movies and definitely most impactful, most important. I mean, and, and I think the, the end of the spider verse, which what it's just so unique and the, the animation style, like I can't harp on it enough. It, It is so breathtaking to watch on the big screen. It looks so damn good. It's like a comic come to life. And, and like you said, man, um, the the I'm sorry the actor who plays uh Miles Morales Sharik sorry how do you pronounce his first name Shamik Moore Shamik Moore dude if you could win an Oscar on voice acting he would win one for that oh yeah absolutely he is, he is so believable he's so good he's so charming and funny and and that's hard to do in voice voice acting's really tough it's why that there's certain voice actors who have made millions of dollars over their careers. Uh, because they're so good at it and then there's movies where it's just a big name actor doing it and it maybe isn't the best but then some of them like voice acting you have to give it a a performance like you're in the movie and it feels like he's actually in the movie and not just sitting there reading his lines you know and and they're dubbing it into the animation like it, it he breathes a whole new life in it he's he's amazing in that role um I, I can't wait for this third one. I I mean they they uh, across the Spider Verse uh, was it was amazing too. And it's like man, they if they nail this third movie, then that's like an all time trilogy type conversation you're having. Yeah, I agree, man. And you know that's something that I instantly was thinking about at the end of Across the Spider Verse. Well, they made the announcement about the third Spider-Verse film at the end of the movie, although I think that that's gotten delayed due to the Hollywood strike and whatnot. But I instantly said to myself, okay, I didn't think that across the Spider-Verse would be better than into the Spider-Verse. Now I'm saying the complete opposite. It is better. So can the next Spider-Man film be better than across the spider-verse that's that's like the biggest question um i know they're going to bring the heat with it but i feel that there's a big or not a big gap there's a very small gap in between the time that they're supposed to start filming and the animation and then the time they're trying to release it and if they're if they rush it they can ruin it that's my only fear. I don't want them to rush it. 
Yeah, and I think I think they have a lot of it done too. I, I think that they've recorded some of it already, and now it's because you. I don't think you could go into that movie and not have the script ready for the the third and final one. Like it's such a cliffhanger ending. We won't get into the ending of it because you know people might not might yeah. haven't uh, seen it yet. So, but uh, it's gonna be interesting, man. It's definitely gonna be one of the most anticipated films of next year if it does get if it does come out this these studios need to pay these writers cause I'm like, you are going to delay so many big movies next year. And it's like, ah, we got, we got so many good movies that I'm like waiting for. And that's one of them. That That's going to be the, one of the most anticipated regardless if it comes out next year or the year after. But, um, so I know how much you love Tobey Maguire. So I'm not going to ask you your favorite spider-man movie because i think listening to this we we know it's the first one um <laughs> yeah just just kind of like any closing thoughts on spider-man and then i want to give you the platform to kind of let people know where they could find you and, and about your youtube channel and everything no doubt you know so just the overall spider-man franchise you know each franchise is great in its own right um, I don't get mad at people for saying that they prefer Tom Holland over Tobey Maguire or whatever the case may be. You know, um, we are old enough to remember the Tobey Maguire franchise more than some of the younger kids. And I think that's another thing. It's the age and generational thing. Most people that were born in the, you know, late 80s, anytime in the 90s and early 2000s are going to shift more towards Tobey Maguire. People that were born like early 2010s and whatever the case may be, they will shift more towards Tom Holland. Then you have some people that prefer Andrew Garfield over both of them. Perfectly fine because all of the Spider-Man actors did an amazing job and they're unique in their own way. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see where the Spider-Man franchise goes after this third Spider-Verse film. Um, I'm assuming that we're supposed to get a part four for Tom Holland. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're going to find out that that's kind of the big mystery is where, I mean, they said they said they're going to do it, but it's like, man, yeah, where do they go from here? That's going to be interesting. Yeah, because it's like, what storyline do they have left um, at this point? That That's the interesting part. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's um, it, that one ends about as really as somber as it could because everyone's memory gets wiped of him. And, you know, spoiler alert for a movie that's been out at least two years, if you haven't seen it by now and you're listening to a, a, a podcast about a bunch of Spider-Man movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting because I feel like you can't close that the way it is. And I think maybe if they don't do a Spider-Man four, he's definitely going to be one of the main people in Avengers King Dynasty and Avengers. Secret. Uh, 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 I think it's Secret Wars. So, like, I imagine he's going to lead like maybe the Earth team through one of them. But there's just no way you just are going to cut off that character. You know, and that's, you know, a great way to put it. Um, the Spider-Man character just makes way too much money for Sony and Disney. Um, I don't see that there's no way for them to, like, completely cut off the character. It's just that as far as, you know, a film, 
people are going to realize if it gets to the point where it's just a cash grab. I believe that Sony has purposely been very careful with the actors that they have chosen to play Spider-Man, whether that's live action, you know, or voiceover for animation. And I think that as long as they continue to be careful with actors that they cast and they, you know, take time with story writing and and whatnot, I think that, you know, Spider-Man will reign supreme overall for superhero franchises. And those are my overall thoughts. And, you know, shout out to every actor that has ever portrayed Spider-Man, but especially for the films. For sure, man. Well, dude, thank you for coming on and, and absolutely, you know, talking with me about different Spider-Man. So I want to give you a chance to kind of plug your anything you got coming up, your YouTube channel where people could find you. Floor is yours. No doubt, man. Um, so as far as what I have in store um, with my brother on our podcast, the voiceovers podcast, of course, um, you know, we're just going to continue getting more film content out there more sports content, more music content, and more television content. You know, we are very big on the world of pop culture. Um, We love film. We love music. We love sports. We love television. You know, more reviews will be coming for different TV shows. Um, We're going to start digging deep more into older, more classic films, like films from the 90s and 80s and you know, so on and so forth. And same with television shows. Um, If y'all want to check us out, it would mean a whole lot. Y'all can find us on YouTube. That's voiceovers. That's capital V-O-I-C-E-O-V-E-R-S. Everything put together, no spaces. Um, Again, that's voiceovers with the capital V. Y'all can find us on Instagram at voiceovers, the podcast, no spaces or anything in between. Um, We are also um, on Twitter at voiceovers, the pod. And, you know, we appreciate anybody who subscribes, who checks us out. You know, it would mean a whole lot. Um, We're going to continue getting more content out there and, you know, just trying to tell uh, great stories and also, um, Nick, I don't think I've sent it to you yet, but there is a movie script um, that we're working on right now. Um, it's in particular, it's about a very famous rapper. I don't want to go too much into detail, but um, I'll give you more info on that. But y'all could stay tuned for that as well. Nice, man. Yeah, and I'll put your links uh, to your different stuff um, on this episode. So, man, Appreciate thank you that, so man. much, Logan. For Yeah, thank you so much for coming on, man. And, and yeah, help help him and his brother grow their channel. You know, that's what this kind of community is that we've been building uh, through Twitter. As much negative stuff as on social media, it's nice to meet, you know, people who like to talk about films. Um, kind of for the Q recommendation for this week. I recommend watching all these Spider-Man movies, you know, the, the, the first trilogy, the two Andrew Garfields, the three Tom Hollands. And, you know, you might have to, if it's not playing in your theaters coming out in September, but uh, check out the new across the Spider-Verse and the end of the Spider-Verse movie. But yeah, that's my cue recommendation for this week. And 
uh, to close it out and kind of quote uh, one of the most famous lines in any of the Spider-Man movies, with great power comes great responsibility. great responsibility. This has been another edition of Nick Flicks Podcast. I would love to hear your feedback on the movies discussed in today's episode. Feel free to leave a comment on the official Nick Flicks Twitter page, which is at Nick Flicks Pod, or on Instagram at Nick Flicks Podcast. You could also give a follow and leave a review on either Apple or Spotify that will help me reach a bigger audience. Thank you all, and stay tuned next to see what's in the queue.